folks. XQ quality, better than HQ, but no one knows what the X stands for, except we're extremely good. <clears throat> Here we go. This is episode 265 of Channel Massive. 265, my God. <laughs> Just a hundred more to go to get to 365. I know, and then we'll have a podcast for every day of the year. Yeah, can you imagine that? I could not imagine listening to a seven-year-old podcast episode. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be pretty brutal. That yeah. was pre-Pandaria, pre Leech King. The Leech King. Pre-catism. Yeah. Wow. Pre-age of Conan. Put it in that context. It's crazy. <laughs> That's some stale Pre news. Pre-death of City of Heroes. Yeah. It was fresh and new back then. Fresh. It was. It was like the love boat. Exciting <laughs> and new. And then... Come aboard. We've been waiting for you. <laughs> so... We are here to record an episode. We didn't have an episode last week because we were out of town. Both of us in different cities. Yeah. We split our forces. We divided our forces to conquer. Half That's of right. us went to Hotlanta, and the other half went to some place where they make coffee. <laughs> That's right. My name is Noah. I am one of your exciting co-hosts. And I went two. to Seattle. And I went to... Sunny Hotlanta. Was it Georgia. hot the whole time there? You know, it was hot the first day, really hot. Like the night we were standing in the line for our passes, which mm -hmm. we were surprised to be doing. Like, oh, I didn't expect to be standing in this line for an hour with a really <laughs> loud guy behind me. Um, it was really hot. And so it was funny because I think it was 90 and and it was so and humid. humid. Uh. So I'm I'm burning up in this line. I'm just melting. I I don't do well with heat in general, and so yeah. I'm melting and being all I'm being like a little bitch and complaining. <laughs> and uh, we finally get our passes, and I'm like, I gotta go back to the hotel. I've gotta I gotta cool off. I I'm dying here. I so I I like go back and take a cold shower, and I'm like, oh. I'm feeling better. Okay, I can, and go back out. I go back out, just walking to the first like hotel. Totally sweated myself up again. Oh. It was just miserable. So the next day, I wake up and I'm out doing stuff. I'm like, wow, the body is just such an amazing thing. I have totally adapted to this weather. I'm not overheated. Everything is great. And then I like stop, look up, realize that it's overcast. It's like 20 <laughs> degrees cooler than it was. I'm like, oh, perhaps I just gave myself a little too much credit. So it was overcast kind of after that. Like, Well, here in Colorado, I just heard on the radio today, this was our 51st straight day of over 90 degree temperatures, which is kind of unusual. Usually we have a little bit more fluctuation than that, but it has been really, really hot in Colorado yeah. this summer. And last time when I went to PAX with Southern Scott, which I did again this year, it was sunny the entire time, and we didn't get any of the stereotypical Seattle overcast weather and any rain. 
Well, this year it was different. Yeah. The first day we got there, it was very cloudy. It started to rain, and then it turned into a literal torrential downpour. Oh, wow. Like the kind of rainstorms we've seen here in Colorado that generated floods. It was just like massive rain. Of course, Seattle's built to handle rain. There's lots of smooth surfaces and sloped roofs and everything. Yeah. People leave their windows open. They don't really care. They're used to the rain. But we were trapped in the gum alley. There's a gum wall. It's probably, I would say, maybe 45, 50 feet long, and it's just covered with gum, even taller than either of us, like like up to 10 or 11 feet tall. There's little pieces of gum, and there's a couple windows in the wall, and there's literally gum that's stretched and dripping off of the windowsills. Oh, God. It's really disgusting. And so it was all wet. And we were sitting there <laughs> after touring kind of doing a walkthrough self-guided tour of the pike market we were just waiting for a ghost tour to start and there's thunder going on it's like what the hell is this wow yeah and, but then after that it was sunny for most of the time a little bit sunny a little bit a few clouds and then the last day there was a little bit of cloudiness and it had rained overnight but in general it was really pleasant because it was in the 70s oh yeah which be- as you witnessed 20 degrees difference but when I first got there, though, I was not ready for the humidity, yeah. especially that first day because it just wanted to rain, and then it did rain, and then it was back to I'm going to rain, and then back and forth, just the humidity, like, max level. Yeah. Even at 70 degrees, it was totally uncomfortable for somebody who comes from super dry Colorado. Yeah, I know. That, the humidity really gets to me, too, in the heat. Well, I'm not acclimated to it anymore. Yeah, yeah. I lived in North Carolina and Georgia for many years as a kid, but... <laughs> I lost that. That's where you ability. got your southern accent. <laughs> yeah. It's so prominent. I'm I'm lucky it didn't come back stronger after spending the weekend with Scott. I know, yeah. <laughs> now I did eat grits while I was on vacation wow. twice. twice. Twice because we went we, the night we got in, we were like just desperate for food and Bob and I um ducked into this steakhouse and and I was going to get a, I was determined to get a steak and then I saw the the grits and shrimp and i was like oh i gotta do that <laughs> so it was so good that i did it again like sunday night you uh, went back to the same place got the same dish same dish i didn't mean to i was like okay this time i get the steak and i was like well i'm from colorado there's steak everywhere in colorado i should That's try true. and i was like it was really good and it was really good again <laughs> so so i went to pax prime and there was only two of us it was me and southern scott we went there for the first time in 2011 we loved it so much. We had to make a choice. We had to play King Solomon, <laughs> yep, so to speak. It was either Dragon Con or Pax Prime because they occur in the exact same weekend. Four days. Right. Both, but two totally different experiences. But we really wanted a video game-centric experience, especially we lucked out because so many things that were D3 were there, plus a whole bunch of Xbox One games were there and uh-huh. PS4. We got our hands on with the Xbox One controller, the PS4 controller, and unbelievably there was two new MMOs that are going to be AAA that were there, so it was a, a nice, well-run experience, but you, on the other hand, loved Dragon Con last year. So, yeah, I was describing it today on Twitter that the first time I went to Dragon Con, it was a, it was like, a, oh, crap, PAX is sold out, what do I do? Well, there's this Dragon Con thing with dragons, <laughs> yeah. and so we all went to that um, last year, or, yeah, last year, and... Um, it turned out that it was the best time of my life. Um, I had it was it's it's like a five day party, and it's got all these different geeky things that I love. Mm-hmm. Panels from with astronauts and 
scientists and you know from NASA and the JPL labs and and um, you know Battlestar Galactica cast panels and Lee Majors so this cool. year and Lindsay Wagner from the Six Million Dollar Man and the Bionic Woman and oh that's right did you go to that panel no I didn't oh, I'll, I'll explain but they had George Takai and William Shatner and um, you know all these different just people that are so cool um, and so I didn't even have to think about what I wanted to do this year, which was go back to Dragon Con. In fact, I already bought my pass for next year. <laughs> oh, you have? Yeah. Have you reserved hotel and everything? No, I'm going to, though, soon. Are you going to try to get one of the main hotels? No, Bob and I were talking, and I went with uh, Bob, and his wife Anna showed up a little later. She got in, like, um, the third, or she... Saturday? We got in on Thursday, and she got in on Saturday, and then we, I met Military Scott. That's so cool. Yeah, and his uh, his uncle was with him, and and another guy, whose name I can't ever remember the other guy, but uh, it was it's okay. And then of course Agamemnon <laughs> got to meet Agamemnon as well. I thought you were so, like, are you guy. talking about Agamemnon? No, like, no, I, I wasn't talking about the other guy as Agamemnon. <laughs> no, was, he was just kind of like the silent protagonist with them. But uh, but yeah, so. Um, so, yeah, it was cool to meet all these people I had only met on the internet, you know, mm-hmm. to actually meet them and stuff and hang out and had really, just a really good time talking and catching up and, you know, it was, so, it's so weird when you haven't ever met somebody, but you, but you, but they're a friend, but you've not yeah. met them in person. It's and, surreal. And so I was like, with Scott, I was like, okay, I'm in, I'm in this panel and, uh, and he's like, oh, I was going to go to that too. And I go, okay, well, I'm wearing like a light blue shirt and and shorts or something and i've you know seen pictures of him um so like he walks in and he's like that and i'm you know he points at me i point at him and i'm like cool and so we were just hanging out and it was just natural you know just like hanging out on skype or whatever it's just so so funny how that works same with agamemnon i'm like oh you're agamemnon you know it's Mm -hmm. just so cool to to meet people so um yeah because you're like is it going to be the same in person or is there going to be some kind of weird awkwardness? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I expected when, when, uh, Agamemnon talked, I'd hear a bunch of background noise all the time, <laughs> but in real, in real life, it was just the convention floor, so the hotel, but, uh, I kid, but no, it was really cool. Oh, no, you're not kidding. Yeah. <laughs> just a little. Agamemnon's got it. <laughs> He's got a thick skin he can As, What's it called? A schizophrenic moose or something? Or nervous, <laughs> nervous moose. Caribou. Nervous caribou. Nervous caribou. Yes. <laughs> is the, the microphone that he has. Because he's just got all kinds of stuff going on in his household. That My kids are too young for that. So yeah. I don't have that noise. Plus I put myself in the basement. And so it, I, th- I get the feeling he's right at ground zero for everything happening in his home. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I'm not. <laughs> I'm I'm in a secret bunker. So solitary confinement. So yeah, we went to different different conventions again, um, but had really both had a lot of fun. I mean, well, what was really cool is this time. One of the things that really blew us away at DragonCon last year, and DragonCon's known for this, is the amount of cosplay of all different types of categories, whether it's movie related or TV related or book related or video games, comic books, anything that you can think of has some kind of cosplayer there, and there's right. just hundreds and hundreds of them and we loved them last year we loved looking at them and stuff and, and I think I remember when we first came back it's like oh my gosh I really want to cosplay and yeah and and Bob was like yeah I think I'm gonna have to cosplay and it's one thing to talk about it 
But there's been so many people I've known. It's it's kind of like going to the Renaissance Festival in costume. Yeah. It's like, oh, that'd be really cool to be in costume. And everybody says that, but they never would actually do it. But this year, you guys actually did both you and Bob and Bob's wife. Yeah. Went in costume. Yeah. So Bob made a really cool HEV suit. And then he trimmed his beard. So he had the, the Gordon Freeman goatee. He and he has glasses. Yeah. And then um, he was going to try and make a a crowbar, but the HEV costume was requiring so much time, they just went and bought a crowbar and painted it the right colors. Which is funny, because um, we ran into a kick-ass guy who was like, let's touch weapons! And so the guy has his batons come up, and he hits this crowbar, and he's like, oh, crap, that's a real crowbar, isn't it? And Bob's like, yeah, that is. He's like, jeez. Wow. <laughs> but, uh, but so, yeah, Bob went as Gordon Freeman in the HEV suit from Half-Life to and uh, his wife Anna went as uh, Harley Quinn. That's so cool. Which was cool. And then I went as um, Swiss Squiscar Squigelf from Metalocalypse, the band, the fake yeah. band Death Clock. And uh, what was funny was I wasn't stressing about my costume. I wasn't stressing about my costume. I was like, it'll all just come together. Everything always does. And then I was stressing about my costume. <laughs> like, so for two for two nights before I had to ship out to Dragon Con, I basically come home, get the kids to bed, because that's, like, my deal, and uh, give my wife a kiss and be like, I'm busy. And she's like, you're working on that costume, aren't you? I'm like, yeah, I'm working on a costume. <laughs> and uh, so I was working, I was working like, nonstop to get my belt buckle made. Wow. And, uh, I was really stressed about the belt buckle, because it was the only thing that I couldn't just purchase or modify. Yeah. Well, and the pick guard for the guitar. So I got, like, the exact same guitar, just by a different manufacturer that's Swiss Gar has mm-hmm. and that thing took a beating at Dragon Con I'm so really? glad that I got I got it it's like a police the police had confiscated it so I had to wait 12 days before <laughs> I even got it but I got it at a $150 price point which is perfect mm-hmm. for a used guitar of its ilk and best of, best of all it had a bolt on neck which meant I could disassemble it to put in my briefcase oh, because it's so big because it's an Explorer it doesn't fit in a regular guitar case yeah, which I have that one behind me, which is this big silver aircraft uh, aluminum guitar case. Oh yeah, yeah. Which I thought would be a no-brainer to take it in that, and then I found out it didn't fit, so I had to disassemble it completely, and then fly out, reassemble it, restring it, all that stuff. Actually, when you take the strings off, the whole a whole bunch of the bridge stuff just falls apart. It turns out, so I have to. <laughs> it's it's made to, but it, it's unnerving when you first do it. Like I've destroyed it. Yeah, so uh, so I stressed out about that, and I I got it all done in time though. So I was, I was really happy. You know, and I think that's really common for cosplay because Scott Southern Scott and I ran into just kind of wandered into a random League of Legends cosplay contest that was going in the main League of Legends tournament area, and there was this girl that was up on stage, and she had this super elaborate Cassiopeia outfit. And if you're not familiar with Cassiopeia or, or League of Legends. It's basically a half snake woman. Yeah, and so she that had this gigantic uh, snake tail behind her that was actually made up of giant round balls that got smaller and smaller, so it could pivot around and yeah. sway and stuff like that. And she had all this really, this really cool headpiece, and she had all this stuff on her torso. And they asked her, like, "Well, how long? How much time did it, you take spend working on this?" That's like such a common cosplay question. Yeah. How long did it take to make this? And she's like, well, she's like, it was two months, but pretty much almost everything happened in the very last week, the week right before the show. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, that's true. They, 
they think like, oh, those are months out, and I'll get it done whenever. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, the stress kicks in. Yeah. And that, I think that happened with Bob, too. He even took a day off from work just to paint. And But the, you saw the HEV costume he did. It, it was, looks really great. The metal looks metal. It does. It's, it looks completely like... It, it really looks good. So, yeah, it was it was well worth the, the stress, but... Uh, so you got a lot of good reactions on the floor when you were out in costume? I did. I was surprised at first because I was like, you know, I was looking around. I didn't see... Like, for one thing, I wanted to be Judge Dredd, but that would have been a lot tougher costume. Oh, and yeah. I didn't want the one from the movie, even though I love the movie Dredd. The movie was really awesome. But I wanted the old school, like, super elaborate, um, like, armor, mm-hmm. the shoulder armor with the eagle and the, you know. It's it's really cool. And, and I'm lankier than... than Carl Urban or whatever. Yeah. So I wanted I wanted that one, um, but I was like, there's just no way I can do. I don't even know how to manufacture the stuff that people do for that. Mm-hmm. Um. And so I was like, oh, I'll just be Swiss Guard. Just seems like it. I I have a guitar, yeah. and you know, I so I thought, you know, I'll be Swiss Guard. So I was like, not sure though, and I didn't see any other Metalocalypse people the whole first night, and I was like, oh, I'm just gonna. Maybe this wasn't a good idea. And then people just started saying, Swisscar, Swisscar. And everybody was like, especially when I go through the habit trails, it seemed like because you just see so many people coming at you, so many Swisscars. And I was like, they're not yelling anybody else's name, just mine. That's pretty cool. <laughs> so I was pretty excited about that, that I was getting a lot of love for being Swisscar. And and I got a lot of people would take pictures of me too, which was cool. That and is girls really cool. too. I thought it'd be mostly dudes that would watch it, but there were a lot of girls that knew about metal. Oh, that's really cool. So that was really cool. No, one of the things that was funny was when I was working on the costume, I was like, I wonder if anyone's going to like challenge me to play like a Swisscar riff. So I was like, I better just learn the theme song. So I learned the theme song and, uh, and a bunch of people challenged me to play the theme song. No way. They're like, I bet you can't even play the song. And I'd be like, and I'd start playing it. And, and like, it's pretty hard, but the part that gets really hard, you actually have to have a, uh, a wham- it's called a whammy pedal that will pitch shift up a whole octave mm-hmm. to hit this note. Or you have to be able to stretch like uh, about 10 frets with your pinky, oh, wow. which, which you can't. You have to like go from here to here, super yeah. like 10 fret move. And I was like, and I can do it, but I, my accuracy is within one fret of where I want to be. <laughs> so I was like, I was like, God, if I get to that point, it's going to be kind of bad. And everybody would get like totally deflated and bored by the like fourth measure of it. They're like, oh, he can play it. And they'd be like, sweet. All right. And they'd, they'd like lose like interest. <laughs> and then walk off. So yeah. So, but it was cool. And the only person who could actually really hear me play was a guy who challenged me in an elevator to play it. Because it's a, you know, it's not a, it's it's an electric guitar. It's but not you weren't plugged into an amp. So, so I wasn't plugged into an amp or anything. But in the elevator, he could actually hear. He's like, "Holy shit, you do know that theme song?" I was like, "Yeah, man, I'm Swiss Car." Well, so I was like, people... "Yeah, dildos, I am Swiss Car." What are you talking about? <laughs> but uh, yeah. <laughs> so did you run into people? You said it took a beating. What do you mean? Yeah, I ran into a lot of people with it. Like uh, at one point, so I would I'd swing it over my shoulder to walk around because like walking around with it in front of me. It's so packed there. You would hit people, especially at my height, I would hit people in the face with the headstock. <laughs> so I'd swing it around my shoulder to make it as low profile as I could. So it'd be like the typical, like almost like holding like a machine gun behind you or something like mm-hmm. that. So I would do that. And 
at one point, some lady with a costume with ridiculously long hair, she got it caught in the tuning pegs, oh. and so it was like wig versus guitar, <laughs> and uh, so I was like super conscious of it, so I like, I felt the tug and felt my guitar starting to go up, I turned around and got her all detangled, and, and she was thankful, and um, but then I bumped into different costume pieces all over um escalators <laughs> uh walls um but the 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 worst one was there was this um really um belligerent stormtrooper that decided to throw a shoulder at me when i was i was trying to get out of his way cuz he was the herald of this other stormtrooper who was wearing red and had a big boombox and was jamming to dubstep so he had like an adidas symbol and stuff he was to- he was blinged out he was like mm-hmm. a bling stormtrooper and he had a herald who would get everybody out of his way so they were like artificially moving faster than everybody else like there was some urgency to get this guy with a big boombox through which was totally yeah, annoying yeah kind of stupid and i didn't mind but i was trying to get out of his way and he saw me trying to get out of his way he saw i was off balance trying to get out of his way cuz they were coming up an escalator or they were coming up a staircase near the escalator. They're trying to shove through people in a staircase. Yeah, and so I'm what off balance trying to get out of the way, and he threw his shoulder into me. Now, oh my god! What would have happened <clears throat> had he succeeded was I would have fallen down the stairs uh, backwards. I would have fallen down backwards up the. St- I'd have fallen up the stairs backwards, but I was pissed off about it, so, and in my Swiss car costume with my guitar, so. I was like, I reached around his back, and I'm like, well, I know what's on the back of a stormtrooper. There's a really good handhold, right, where their little backpack is. And <laughs> sure enough, it was there. And so I used him, and I pulled myself up and threw him forward, so he crashed into the stairs. Awesome. Instead of me falling down the stairs. Dickhead. And, and, and so he, he turned around to look at me, and I was, at that point, I was like, I'm, I'm ready to go. I have never met anybody rude at Dragon Con, but if you want to be the first, I will beat the shit out of you with my guitar if that's what you want. And he just, like, moved on, and the, and the other stormtrooper at that point ran into him and pushed him forward, and so they, they went on their merry Losers. way. But I was, like, I was like, I can't believe that you saw somebody off balance and you did that. No and, kidding. And Dragon Con, it was such a, such an outlier for the behavior of Dragon Con. I mean, I don't mean to be negative about it, but I was listening to... But it to, sticks out because was, people aren't like that. Yeah, they had... I listened to another podcast. It's like called 50 Days to Dragon Con, and they had the main... The president of Dragon Con on, and they were talking about the... Um, since they've started checking badges at the hotels, how they've just had so much less trouble with everybody. Mm-hmm. And um, they said there were something like 30... Two incidents. I, I misquoted twenty-one to a coworker today, but it's thirty-two incidents of where the police were involved with Dragon Con for two thousand twelve. Of those, only one person had a Dragon Con badge, so the rest were just people out in the streets that were checking out what was going yeah, on. Yeah, not surprising. And so to have somebody do that like consciously, it was just really a shock to me. I, was, I couldn't believe it. So I was joking around about that with um, with Southern Scott that. I felt like at our convention, if you just show up in a costume, you can probably just get in and walk around. And I remember overhearing, I think it was on the second or third day, we were walking around, and one guy who was running a booth was saying to another guy, if you see anybody that doesn't have a badge, have them go have call over the security people. Yeah, and they were really checking stuff out. Well, what was weird at, at PAX is there were these black lights around every major entrance, and there were convention hall security guards so people who aren't security guards at all they just yelled at you if they couldn't see your badge if it happened to flip around the other way 
But I held it up. I actually went directly up to a blacklight and held my badge up, and I could see nothing about it that lit up in the blacklight. Huh. So I don't really understand what the point of that was because well, there's have two little holographic special umbrella corp glasses on or something <laughs> no huh. no so i don't know what it was but there were still people i think slinking around yeah. and there was just bad scalpers the first day that we got there there was a guy with a stack probably like three inches thick of badges that he was trying to sell oh. and they were there every day and there was like a and they had laminated pieces of paper oh god where it's like need badges or tickets here so like even stuff that's not even appropriate like it's a, it's a sign that says i've got tickets and it's badges that you want to so these people are just we're out in force selling badges and scott mentioned that in alabama there's a law there now you have to be licensed to scalp to tickets scalp? wow i wish they had that in colorado yeah i'm so too. annoyed and it was not i don't think it was the case in washington I've, I've actually done done it once at a game where there was a guy, I need tickets, and another guy, I've got tickets, and I was like, hey, you, hey, you, you guys should meet up, because you could solve each other's problems. <laughs> and they both gave me, like, the screw you look, and I was just like, well, it's annoying, I'm sorry. It is, it's stupid. Yeah. Yeah, and they were, even on the, halfway through the last day, they were still trying to sell four-day badges that they had left over, and then Monday badges, which was the fourth day of it, and it's just like, man. Oh, jeez. It, it, it frustrates me, because... They sell out within hours. It frustrates me too, obviously. And the interesting thing with my 3DS, so I was playing all these Street Pass games with my 3DS, and it tells me what state the other person says they're from on the 3DS. And what I was really surprised by with what my 3DS was telling me was that like 90 to 95% of the people that I was Street Passing with 3DSs, granted this is a, a niche of a niche, but they were all from Washington. Yeah, I don't... Which, that doesn't make sense to me because... Badges sell out within hours, and do the people who live in Washington have? <laughs> do they have better internet connection? How, how is it that? Because I figured that it would have had broader appeal. Well, with they, as quickly as it sold out, they have one day passes, right? For packs. Yeah, they have single day passes as well as four day passes. I mean, and the four day passes, there's only like, that's maybe ten. Were you doing it on a badges. Saturday? It was. It was the whole time. Oh, the whole time. Every single day oh. when I pass people. It was like a 9 in 10 chance they would be from Washington. That's freak. I can't explain it. I mean, I know a lot of the people were from the South at uh, Dragon Con. But yeah. But I, there wasn't... There was a broader yeah. range of states. When I first tried this last year at Dragon Con, there was a much broader range yeah. of uh, distribution. It was like half Georgia, not 90% Georgia, like it was 90% Washington and PAX. But... It's just kind of an interesting observation. It is interesting. It's it's wild that it's it's funny. I I I, uh, I had this thought at Dragon Con, which was like, would it be cool to start a West version of Dragon Con? <laughs> yeah. And then I thought, you know, no, it needs to just stay the way it is. It's yeah. just perfect the way it is. It doesn't need sub Dragon Cons. It needs to just always be. Mm-hmm. You know, and if people don't want to, you know, and I mean, last year we met, we were in a line for, I remember some panel, right, with that giant Canadian guy. Oh yeah, I remember. And that. he was from all the way from like Canada, so mm-hmm. like in the west side of Canada, the west side of Canada. <laughs> that's how they talk there uh, when they sing the Rush songs. But uh, yeah, he was, you know, I mean, it, I, I was like, no, it, it needs to be just the one, I think. Now, I will say, there were a couple of people that I got who were from Japan. There was somebody from, like, is like France or Germany. And there was somebody from 
a South American country. I think it was Brazil. Oh, God. You just reminded me of something I forgot about completely. What? So, I was I was thinking about um, perfecting my Swiss car accent. Mm-hmm. And uh, that all you have to do for that, because he's supposed to be um, Swedish. Yeah. But Toki is another character from it, and he's Norwegian, and... It has a, there's a strange play on the fact that the Swedish are better than the Norwegians, <laughs> but uh, like all you have to do to talk like those guys is mispluralize everything. So if it's singular, you you pluralize it, and if it's plural, you singularize it. Mm-hmm. And and I was like, I wonder how I, you know, that's I wonder where they got that from because that doesn't seem to be true. First panel of the day on Friday, a guy from that area <laughs> mispluralizes in his question, and I laughed out loud. <laughs> it was like a confirmation of everything to me. I was like, "Oh, I'll just go with this. I don't even have to worry." And I was like the awkward guy that laughs at the thing that's totally not funny. That was me. Oh, could like people hear you when you did it? it was, like, yeah, a loud yeah. Laugh? I laughed out loud because he's like, he's like, how did he say it? It he plur- he mispluralized a noun, so it wasn't like a verb or anything. But he's like, you know, something the games, and I was like. <laughs> Like <laughs> You're like partner. <laughs> you talk funny. <laughs> Don't you know how to use American? <laughs> it's so funny. But I was just like, <laughs> like this totally like oddball like off. You know? Did totally. he react to you laughing? No, thank God he Poor was on guy. the other side. It's probably like traumatized and ask any more questions for the rest of the weekend. It was so funny. You know, it was a, uh, I think it might have been the Brian Green panel on um, story, oh, I forget, they're talking about... The story matter in video games? You no, know, it was like this, uh, Brian Green's like a journalist okay. guy. And it was story something or other. It's it's some like the new way to do like um, AI or something. I remember Scott Cormack had some kind of sarcastic tweet about that. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. So Scott like sarcastically tweets, "This panel is boring as fuck. I'm leaving." And I was like right on his heels, right. So we we got out of there. <laughs> well, how many panels did you walk out of? Well, that was two. Um, but. Uh, I was like, let's get some food, man. And <laughs> this is stupid. That was the one I laughed awkwardly in, yeah. <laughs> because of that. So just further solidifying people's opinion around you of you being an asshole. <laughs> yeah. You come in, you laugh at some poor foreigner's mangled English, and then you walk out. Walk. I am disgusted. He can't talk American for shit. I'm leaving. God damn it. Foreigners. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was that. And so then, like... So Brian Green saw that Scott had had tweeted that, and he went on the offensive against Scott. He's like, "Hey man, I'm doing my best job, or something like that." And Scott all personal, and and then he's then he threatened to like um to take him out or something. And so Scott's like, he's like some said something like like. I think he's going to kill me or something. I was like, real life PK or something like that. I, <laughs> then I write, wrote back to Brian and I said something like, so are you threatening to corpse camp my buddy or something like that? <laughs> and it was, it was awkward. <laughs> but yeah. Well, that he's that paranoid or, or that interested in tweets that he's, he's looking for any tweets yeah. about it. Cause he'd have to do a search for his name or 
for tweets around it because I don't remember. I think I saw that tweet from Scott and it didn't say anything specific like hashtag yeah. such and such panel or whatever. It 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 was. I mean, it was it was it was probably a just a fine panel. It was. The problem I had was I just needed food badly. Yeah, I just got myself in a bad place, so I could I couldn't engage, and everything. But you could he, laugh. He was fine. <laughs> he was doing a great job. Uh, yeah, yeah, I could laugh at the the guys, because nobody else probably even noticed that he mispluralized something. <laughs> but I was like, oh my god, it yeah, is true. Finally, I, I could do this the rest of the weekend. Yeah. So yeah. So it helped me perfect my Swiss Gar accent. <laughs> So, what were your favorite panels that you went to? Well, I didn't... You know, my must-see panel was Edward J. Almost. I was like, if I don't... When I... Okay, my optimi- optimistically, there was a couple must-see panels. And it was, I have got to see Edward J. Almost, and I have got to see Lee Majors and Lindsey Wagner. Mm-hmm. Um, and anything else is, you know, would be cool. Like, I, I was like, I'd love to see Shatner. I'd love to see George Takai. I'd love to see... Um, you know some of the other celebrity panels, but last year I was all about the celebrity panels. So I saw like the True Blood one with you. Yeah. I saw um, just all Jillian bunch, Anderson, Jillian Anderson, drunk Battlestar off her Galactica. ass, Battlestar Galactica. But this year I just I really wanted because of the way they talked about Edward J. Almost, I really wanted to hear him talk yeah. about it, his experience, because yeah. from like the guy that played Apollo's point of view last year it was hilarious yeah totally like he's so serious he scared the shit out of all of us but then he found out I had kids and we were best buddies yeah um but uh so Edward James almost was awesome like he's a very distinguished guy like mm-hmm. and everything he says is cool and then he talked about going to the UN and schooling them wow on it when they want they, they had the, B, the Battlestar Galactic cast come talk to the UN because their show so closely mirrored stuff that was going on post 9-11 you know like wow. the, the bombings all the suicide bombings that's and true everything. i remember that mm-hmm. and you know i i it was all a lot of it was an allegory right and yeah. um and so the the un had him there and the un chairman talked about race in a way that offended edward james almost and he went off on wow saying, he said i can't believe in this day and age sitting here at the un that i just heard somebody talk about different races of humans he goes we are one race there is the human race there are no there are no red humans or brown human we are all humans he's like i can't believe you know and he just and then he goes so say we all and (laughs) and he was telling us about this he goes you can check it on youtube it's true and he's like the un starts going so say we all and he's he did it like three times. So say we all. And the U the everyone in the UN is oh going. Oh my so say gosh, we all. that's so cool. So of course me, I'm like I gotta look at it. I was like totally happy with that. But then I had to watch it on well, on YouTube, and it's on YouTube. You can Google oh, it. Oh, I have to watch that. BSG at UN, and he's literally. You can watch the UN guy just shrink down as he's being dressed down by that. Like, at first, he's kind of smiling, like, oh, yeah, so he doesn't like the way I classified race. But by the end of it, he's just crushed. So it was, really it, was, cool. it was awesome. So that was my must-see. I, I really wanted to see Edward James almost. And he also said something really interesting, which was, so Battlestar Galactica was the best thing he's ever done in his career, in his opinion. The wow. most Most important to him. Wow, Most, that's so cool, because he did such a kick-ass job. Man, he, I love that show. He so redefined, like, everything with that. Um, 
he talked about um, Miami Vice in comparison and all mm-hmm. these. But he said after they killed off, like chronologically, after they killed off Kirk in the Star Trek movies, he was offered a job to be the next Star Trek um, movie um, captain. Wow. Which he turned down and because he had something else going on. And and he's like, I am so happy that I did that because they would have never cast me as a Dama for Battlestar Galactica because I'd be that Star Trek guy. That's true. And he's like, and nothing that I could have done in the Star Trek shows could have equaled what Battlestar Galactica was. Wow. I can, so, I would agree with that. So it was, that was my favorite. And then Richard Hatch was talking about how he tried, he made like, he was so trying to bring back Battlestar Galactica like a continuation of the original series and how he was like so um, opposed to this upstart new one but he didn't know anything about it and then when he finally found out about it how he was like oh holy crap my idea was good but this this is something amazing Mm -hmm. and then when they asked him to do a cameo how it turned into a role and how he was just so blown away by it and then um, uh, what's her name Uh, now I'm forgetting the name of the actress the, the 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 other panelist was yeah. the actress who was I can't Apollo's her name wife either. later on. Um, she's really beautiful. She's gorgeous. She's got like this East Indian kind of look with Those light pur- eyes or purplish blue eyes. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. gorgeous. And she, what was her name? Like, can't can I can't think. I can't. It was for, and I used to know it so well too. Starts but with a K, I, right? Like, I, yeah. But we'll continue. I'll see if I can. She do that um. For you. So she's talking about, they asked her if it was hard for her to um, play a character who committed suicide. She had, like, all these awesome insights on suicide. She studied it so hard to make it realistic for the actress. Wow. That they were like, well, it came as such a shock when you killed yourself. And she goes, oh, no, that was a conscious decision because people who are going to commit suicide from all of my research, and she knew some psych- some clinicians and stuff, she was mm-hmm. like... They're, they have made peace with them. So they, whatever situation they're trying to get out of, they've made peace with themselves. Yep. So they seem really upbeat right before the moment that they kill themselves because they finally made a decision. They're finally taking control of them, their lives. Candice so McClure is her name. Candice, but she spells it like... With a K. K-A-N-D-Y-S-E. Candice McClure. she played Anastasia Duwala. She was really, really awesome too, like... I really enjoyed. Her. Oh man, I wish so that, that was seen my must see panel, and I saw that panel. But what about the Bionic Woman and Million Dollar Man? I never. I I was the line was like wrapped around the building. Oh, and you didn't do any of your cut moves that you did. Last I didn't year? do. I I took the high road and didn't cheat and cut in line. Um, <laughs> and uh, and so I missed it. But I went to a bunch of other panels with like the people from the Jet Propulsion Labs and NASA and just different scientists and. Just cool, weird stuff that's only at Dragon Con. Some game track stuff. Some only one. I only went to like one or two literary panels, which were both for the Wheel of Time. Well, so aside from panels, what did you do? Were there any costume contests, or what did you do Um, in the evening? Yeah, I went to a lot of costume. um, Well, no, mostly I hung out at the Marriott and the Hyatt, and uh, during normal times, Mm -hmm. and just people watched and met people. Um, I went to the, uh, I didn't go to any co- costume contest, although now I wish I'd gone to the Star Trek one. Mm, yeah, the Star Trek Miss Universe pageant is so awesome. Um, I, I, I had heard that 
one of the coolest things you could do is play werewolf. So I started to go do that at night, late at night. And you go to the Hyatt, and you go into the basement, and you <laughs> go down about as far as you can go. I remember that. And that's where you find a group playing, two, usually two groups playing werewolf. And it'll be like 40 people to a group. Wow, how long does that game last? Um, it's it pretty depends. short game. It depends how long it lasts for you, because you you, once you die, you're out. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it could last like maybe 20 minutes at a time. Oh, that's and then, not bad. And it's got a moderator that does like the explaining and stuff and runs mm-hmm. the game sort of. Or game master, I guess you could call him. Um, that game is really fun because it's all social. It, it's yeah. It's all about, you know, pleading your case or trying to grab a hold of the game and take it in a direction you want it. And mm-hmm. It's all like, it's really like the Battlestar Galactica board game. But on you're a trying to scale. hide your identity yeah, yeah, or prove that you're not a because you're either a bad guy. You're either a villager or a werewolf or a vigilante who can kill whoever they want, or a seer who can divine which is a werewolf and which is a villager, mm-hmm. or you can be like a little girl, which is kind of interesting. You're like a kid, so you're you're innocent, um, and there's like all kinds of weird little fringe cards you can get. That's interesting. I've I've only played the most basic version of that, which I think was. There's the mayor, and there's villagers and werewolves. Not all those other roles. So that's kind of yeah. interesting to hear. It's that. cool. It shakes it up a bit because you can have the vigilante can totally screw stuff up accidentally. Um, and there's a protector. We had one where the protector killed the vigilante who killed a werewolf, which was like total <laughs> clusterfuck. <laughs> But um, that game is just really fun, and it goes late, and people just drink while they play it, and so you get people just pleading their cases so emphatically, and you know they're full of crap. <laughs> and uh, and it's it's fun. I played that till dawn on Sunday night. I just oh wow! I just couldn't stop. It was just so fun. It took me back to my <laughs> old days of playing, you know, D and D and stuff. Um, so how did you did you make? The- did you sleep at all the next day for the next day? Yeah, or? I crashed and slept till like noon and I was good to go. So So you had to miss some stuff? Uh-huh. Yeah, but you know, I, I took it easy on the panels this year. I went to a lot less panels. So it was still fun cuz I remember for me that's what made Dragon Con especially since once you start going to panels 9 times out of 10 you're not really hanging out with anybody that you went with. You're just yeah. randomly running frantically from one hotel to the next. Yeah, no, I talked... I So, this was my... My Sunday night was just epic, because I didn't wear my costume. I just went to a bunch of panels during the day, and then that night I um, just kind of was people watching, but I was separated from, like, Bob and Anna, because, like, I don't think Bob was feeling good. And I didn't... I, I think... I, no, I well, I had dinner with them, but then they didn't feel like doing costumes later. I'd had lunch with um, Scott... Uh, military Scott and Kevin, his uncle, and that other guy whose name I can't remember, <laughs> and uh, and so I, that was that was all good. But that night, I just was kind of on my own without a costume, just walking around. And so I'm I'm walking around the marquee. Oh, I did see a bunch of concerts. That's what I did this year. I, I saw a bunch of music this year, oh, a bunch yeah. of different bands. Like, how was that? Good. They were some good bands. One that wasn't good was Angel Spit, <laughs> which is a uh, bunch of guys from Australia. Yeah. Although the the girl that sings this year is just gorgeous. Like mm-hmm. I just was like, wow. Here, I don't know what your voice sounds like, but it's a great show. <laughs> nice to look at. Yeah, but um, 
but so uh, no I was so I was walking around the marquee on Sunday night this was the beginning of my epic night there where I was like I'm going to do all the stuff it says you're supposed to do at Dragon Con so I'm just people watching and these guys like stop and go hey we want to take a picture with you and I'm like I don't have my Why? costume on and they take a picture with me and the guy's like great costume I'm like walking away I'm walking by I'm like I don't know why they're messing with me I'm gonna turn around and go talk to him because I just felt like I'd been punked or something yeah so I go back I'm like so what's the deal with that like you know why are you doing that and they're like oh you know like most of them are being like sarcastic about it but one guy is like oh let me tell you the game we go find people who aren't wearing costumes and we we get a picture with them and we and that's how you get points in this game by you know it's like a, it's like we're trying to have progressively more difficult challenges, and we say you got to say great costume, and if you do that, you're in the game. Like, all right. So the next guy that walks by is some guy without a costume, and I'm like, let me get a picture of you, and I'm all over doing it, and we like take a picture, and I'm like, great costume, and I go back, and I'm like, hey, how come guys all have like PBR tall boys, and they're like, that's the best part. We have a cooler. <laughs> down they have like wheeled a cooler into the middle of the marquee and nobody has said anything to them oh the whole my God. night and they're like you want one you're in the game now i'm like sure so i have a cooler so i'm like so okay so what else do you guys do and they're like well we just we're gonna keep you know punking people and doing this and and when you're when you've had a little bit to drink that's a lot more funny than it sounds now <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i'm like all right i'll i'll do this with you so they and they gave me that, and I'm like, well, where'd you meet? And they're like, well, we met playing this game called City of Heroes. And I'm like, oh, no. No way. So it's this group of people from all over the United States. There's probably like six of them. And they met playing City of Heroes. And I'm like, oh, God, I love that game, too. And they're like, yeah, we went from that to WoW. And we just, we're all, we've, we, we decided we'd come to Dragon Con because it'd be a cool place where we could all finally meet each other and hang out. And I was like, yeah. well, that's awesome. And so meanwhile, we're every one of them is punking someone at the same time with the whole great costume thing because nobody's dressed in costume. Yeah. And they're like, all right, we got to take it up a level. And I'm like, all right. Well, what do you call those guys that look like, um, they look like kind of like Grim Fandango combined with uh, mariachi players. So they're like, <laughs> they're like undead. They're like skeletal mariachi players. Is there a name for that? Are you asking me yeah. or is this what you were saying? No, I'm asking you. Well, no, it's just... Day of the Dead characters. Day of the Dead. Well, there's this, like, mariachi band of... Undead mariachi band, a whole ensemble of them wandering around, and they look awesome. They that have, sounds like, really cool. They looked so cool, but it was kind of like that Grim Fandango look, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So they're wandering around, and this little tiny lady comes up. She's like, oh, my gosh, could you want to get a picture of me with them? And I'm like, watch this shit. So I go over, and oh, I, get, no. I take her phone, and she's standing with them all around her. They're, like, in a pose, and I go, oh, no, 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 no. And I go like this, and I make everybody get out of the picture except for just her. I take the picture with their phone, and I'm like, great costume. And I give her phone back to her. Oh, my gosh, that's so, so mean. I go back to the group, and they're all like, oh, my God. <laughs> he just joined us, but he's, he's, the, he's raised the bar so high, we'll never be able to defeat him. <laughs> What did, they, did she look pissed off about the picture? What they didn't know was that I got a picture before I started the whole spreading 
with oh. a perfect picture. I got two in a row, actually, with a camera of her with them around her. But the group didn't know it. So they're just like, what an asshole. <laughs> He's awesome. And so I hung with them for, like, the next two hours. And then, and we were trying to raise the bar. And so, like, their ringleader came back. And he's, like, an evil QA director. And he's, like, they're trying to explain, like, what had just happened. They're like, you missed it. This new guy came in. And he just, like, totally, like, raised the bar. You'll never equal him. And he's like, oh, yeah, I will. And so I showed you a picture of that Darth Revan guy that was wandering around. Yeah. So he goes to Darth Revan, and he's like, all right, I want to get a picture of you. Well, he goes, actually, I want to get a picture of me. So so this guy takes both Darth Revan's lightsabers away from him, gets all posed out with the lightsabers, and makes Darth Revan take the picture of him with the lightsabers. (laughs) (laughs) And comes back, and they're like, they tell him, that's pretty good, but you still didn't equal what that guy did. It's just a night of like just messing around with cosplay players and stuff. So anyway, it was a lot funnier if you were totally tanked on PBR. Well, yeah, yeah. And then we eventually ran out of PBR, and the whole thing just descended into hell. And they all went away, and I went and did the werewolf thing till the wee hours of dawn. (laughs) And you found the drum circle too that I read throughout the program. The drum circle. Hi, so that's one of the must things do must thing must things you must things you must do at Dragon Con, right? Must do. No, <laughs> don't find the drum circle. Yeah, because I remember my PAX guidebook on my phone said drum circle starts at like 10 p.m. and runs all the way to 6 a.m. the next morning. Yeah, so you go to the drum circle and it's this room, and and this part is true. It is strange. There is like an after image when you look around it of some kind of shamanic like mist like it's misty it's 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 strangely cloudy in there but it's not it's all in your head and <laughs> these guys are playing these drums and nobody's playing any polyrhythms or anything advanced it's kind of like dun 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 they're playing it they're old fat people who fall asleep is exactly what the drum circle is in mid drum they'll be like gunk 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 and they'll, they'll fall asleep and fall off their chair. Oh, my God. And so there were some people keeled over their drums. This was like at 2 a.m. So, yeah, the drum circle is it's a it's a strange thing. I mean, the allure is there. It's like you can go there and get primal and, and play your drum. <laughs> or you can they fall under sleep under a under table. Under a table. Because that's a nice quiet place to get a, get a little a few Z's, right? Like the rhythmic could, pounding just makes yeah, me want to go to sleep. This is awesome. Yeah, and they don't just have drums there. You have to bring your own drum, right? Or I'd have gone in there and just like fallen asleep right away with my drum. But I didn't. I didn't have anything. So. So how long did you stay watching this? About 15 minutes, the, the time it took to drink a rum and coke and observe. That's a long time of watching that crap. It was. And, I mean, I don't mean to, like, you know, belittle the skill level there, but these, we're not, these are not professional, like, jazz drummers or anything. These are... I like how you read it. They weren't doing any polyrhythms. I'm like, yeah, there was even no, know what a polyrhythm is. I did not is. hear a single polyrhythm. <laughs> yeah, no. Like a, a polyrhythm is where you play like two different meters at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like the classic being six over four. Like So like my, le- my right hand is playing six and my left is playing four. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they didn't do anything like that. They no. were just... <laughs> so, so, yeah. 
I think you should have just like let out some war whoops, done some Run around <laughs> Tonto <little>. screams. For Tonto! <laughs> for Tonto! For Tonto! Keep <laughs> keep drumming! You must summon the spirits from the netherworld. Tonto's fading! You you can't stop! Hurry yeah, up! This is important. <laughs> uh, it was, it was a... So you so then after that you went back to playing werewolf and after that, I saw the I saw a band called Abney Park play. They oh, were, they were yeah. surprisingly good. They were like they're kind of like in a lot of the steampunk events. I think mm-hmm. for, they were good, or the parties for steampunk stuff. Um, they were they were like probably the best one I heard. And, and uh, then shortly thereafter, you you bought your badges for next year. Yep. I so I couldn't make it Monday because of the robot battles. Um, oh, you went saw the whole, robot battles because yeah. I remember you wanted to see that last year and you didn't see them. I only saw the micro ones this time. I saw like the oh. fifteen and thirty finals, um, which it goes on for several. So, hours. like, what's the difference between a micro robot battle and a? Well, they have different weight categories. Pound. There's like a beetle category, and they're all like really small weights, like you know, two pounds, four pounds, whatever. It's a very small increments. But these were the, the fifteen and thirty pounders, so they were bigger. One was actually a lawnmower deck that they'd put electronics into. It sucked. Holy cow! It had you know those. Oh, poppers? it sounds cool, but it's you not. You know those poppers that the kids run around with, where it's like the stick, and then it's got two wheels, and this these little balls bounce on it. Oh yeah, yeah. It had one of those on the top, and they had a motor, and they go, and they go pop, 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 pop. And it was painted like with like flowers and stuff. It was like yellow. It was a piece. How is that supposed to be a robot battle machine? It was kind of a joke, and they put it up against one made out of plywood, and they both sucked so bad they could, it was hard to determine which one won and which one lost. <laughs> and then one of them advanced and met, met up against a real thirty-pound bot and was like just destroyed instantly. <laughs> I don't remember which one won, but you can see them all on YouTube if you Google them. They've put the whole thing up there. Um, but, like, the finals for the 12, or it's either 12 or 15, and then the 30. How really many, the, it's one versus one all the time, right? Until they have the rumble at the end. So they figure out who the winner is, for, you know, by doing these heats or whatever. Yeah. And the skill level is incredibly high. Like, you would think that they would not be able to get out of some of the stuff they get out of and ultimately win, but... When that's all done, they do have a Royal Rumble type thing where they all get in and see who's the last bot standing. And I had to leave before that to get to the airport. So what was the most impressive thing that you saw one of these heavyweight robots do? There was this, there's this kid named Charlie who was there last year, and he competes in a bunch of different weight categories. Mm-hmm. I think he goes to MIT or something. He made this thing that, you know, the classic battle bot now is like a wedge shape, right? Well, his is... If you can imagine a, a kind of a wedge-shaped robot, but with a spatula under it, and then like a crazy contraption up on top with all these gears showing, mm-hmm. what this thing does is it goes underneath the classic wedge shape, which is nearly impossible because they're so low the ground. It scoops up the wedge-shaped robot, holds it up in the air, and he does one of two things. He either pounds the crap out <laughs> of it on the ground, or... He backs up to the edge of the arena and nonchalantly flips it over its virtual oh shoulder gosh. out of the arena. <laughs> and what's impressive awesome. about that is the body's picking up weighs just as much as his whole bot does. No kidding. He's holding it out in front of him, it's like an slamming ant. it, picking it up and throwing it behind him. And it's it's always cool to watch that. Oh, man. And and that kid, Charlie, was in so many bad situations with his bot where the wedge would like hit the upper hand. And the last minute, he'd just weasel out of it somehow. And... And and knock the other one out, or pick it up and fling it, and it was really cool to watch. So, um, yeah. So, were you the only one of the group who's bought badges for next year? Or 
Uh, I think I am. But but Military Scott was really excited. As he described it, it's kind of like a five-day party, the best yeah. party ever. And that's <laughs> kind of the best description, I think. It's the best party you could ever go to. Mm-hmm. It's so full of energy, and the costumes mm-hmm. are exciting, and there's just, you know, you can do different things. So, really yeah. good experience, so... I'll check with Bob. I don't know if he was if he's got his yet, but I'm I'm definitely going. Wow. No packs. No packs on packs for me. All right. <laughs> so with packs, what was your must see? Speaking event? of packs, well, I was really excited to get hands on time and eyes on time with both of the new consoles, the Xbox One and the PS4. And I also definitely wanted to play more Wildstar. I had been so excited about it two years ago when it made its debut at PAX Prime. And I just wanted to see more of it because I really, I've been wanting to get in the beta and I've watched some marketing that's come out for it, but really I just wanted to play it again. And so those were my priorities. And the thing, the catch about the Xbox One and PS4 is that I definitely believe I'll get one or both of those machines at some point in my yeah. lifetime. Uh-huh. But right now the launch games didn't seem that exciting for me. So it's like, eh, maybe this will help. And that was the same thing with Southern Scott too, is he wanted to find out which one seemed more appealing to him. Yeah. And we wanted to see what the new controllers were like, because both of them have completely you, you, updated controller form factors. You tweeted factors. that the Xbox was good, right? Yeah, that one was really impressive. It was like, in a way, it was almost like it didn't even feel like a different controller. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of the 360 controller anyway, so I don't feel yeah. like there's much they could have done the big one to improve it. Well, I actually loved the big one yeah. back in the day, but the 360 controller, which is basically modeled after the Type S Xbox controller. It's really great. It's very comfortable and ergonomic. I love the material that's used for the analog stick. The shoulder buttons, the triggers, they all just work well. And for as many small refinements, they apparently did like 40 refinements to the controller. I didn't really notice that this was comfortable, easy to use. PlayStation 4 has much longer prongs to grip onto. They're not these little tiny V-shapes. They're just these long dildo shapes, for lack of a better shape for, for description. What are you doing? So it's like you're just kind of yep. gripping on these two dildos. Hello, dildos. <laughs> Which is a lot more ergonomic <laughs> if you're an adult. Yeah. And the freaking analog sticks... I can't. I have. I've never liked the analog sticks because they've always been convex. Oh yeah. And they've used a slippery material on them. So, if you're playing a racing game, like, or if you're playing a first-person shooter game where you're just leaning on that thumbstick to go in a certain direction, inevitably moisture starts to build up and the, the stick immediately starts slipping out from under you. Oh, that's awesome. And so you have to kind of apply more pressure in that case than you would with an Xbox controller. They kind of figured that out. Now that there's a concave surface ah. on the top of the analog sticks, but they're still made out of this slippery rubber plastic, and it's just like, ugh. Yeah. But the updated triggers, because remember when Jeff gave me little snap-on uh, yeah. trigger add-ons for my PS3 controller yeah. so that the R2 and the L2 triggers were more like triggers? Yeah. That helped a lot, and, and this new controller basically emulates that. So. Oh, Awesome. Overall, though, it still felt kind of funky and weird. I mean, grabbing on these two cylindrical shapes. Yeah. It's just kind of like... Uh... <laughs> Milking. <laughs> yeah. Come here, Bessie. In a really creepy Don't hold way. back, little girl. Come on. <laughs> so... Human and... cow can generate three gallons of milk a day. <laughs> You've only done one. Come on, baby. Sorry. It's creeping me out. Yeah. So a lot less cosplay there, but <laughs> stop making those hand gestures. It's... <laughs> Not fun to look at. I can't help myself. <laughs> you, you're just obsessed with milking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay. Speaking of cosplay. <laughs> so very much unlike Dragon Con, there are definitely panels going on all throughout. But this year, for both Scott and I, there just weren't any that we really wanted to watch. And Scott was really interested in seeing some Bioware ones. Mm. The Bioware ones weren't even listed in the main guidebook. Only like wow. a couple of more. And we stumbled upon this main Bioware conference room area and there was a sign outside the door that, and they had stuff going on every hour all four days a lot of the same panels over and over in case you missed it but it's like none of this was in the guidebook and so Southern Scott was really bummed out he's like man I wanted to see this and I wanted to see that well that sucks as it turns out we didn't end up seeing how many panels three well I saw three panels and then Southern Scott saw an extra fourth one that I didn't go to because he loves the Total War series and Rome 2 hmm was just about to come out That's right. and the total war people were there to talk about how do you walk the line of doing historical accuracy in a war game such as simulation when you know what the battle outcome is supposed to be but still provide a game for the player that the player actually has control over and still has fun right. without fulfilling some preordained conclusion it's almost like those civil war reenactments <laughs> that was kind of rude, but <laughs> yeah, it was, but unexpected, and it made me laugh. I don't know what Southern Scott would have responded to that. He, we, we asked both Southern Scott and Military Scott to be on the show with us tonight. They unfortunately couldn't make it, and so they will pay. But that's why we can make jokes like that while they're <laughs> from the fire. <laughs> this time we're gonna take it all <laughs> so funny point of trivia not funny I'm just gonna change the subject Southern Scott is actually a history minor he loves history he's oh, obsessed wow. with it and so that's one of the main reasons he really loves the Total War series is because he loves all the historical oh, the aspects history, of yeah. it and he found it to be a really fascinating <laughs> a fascinating panel and at one point he got up to ask a question as we know Southern Scott is wont to do and the funny thing was, is there was some kind of update to the game or some kind of patch. And he asked about it. And the funny thing was, is like half the room wasn't even aware that this was coming or this feature was going to be included in the game. And the game developer's like, oh, that's a really good question, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> the next guy who got up after him was like, well, most of us didn't know about this. He's like, <laughs> asked Scott, he asked Scott, like, how did you know that? Where'd you find that out? And Scott, Scott's like, well, on the internet? They announced it a few days <laughs> Maybe ago. Maybe you've heard of it, <laughs> noob. <laughs> I just love it that he Southern Scott did it at Dragon Con in the podcast panel, and he did it again this year. Yeah. He dropped some knowledge on a an entire audience, which is just awesome, and I they're love it like that he can crushed. do that. <laughs> yeah, they're like, how does this guy know these things? <laughs> so he went to that panel. We also went to a panel about Wildstar, which was very misleadingly titled. We thought it was going to be more general thing about Wildstar. And then we went to a panel from Riot Games, the only one that they put on, called Redefining Champion Relaunches, where they basically talked about how oh, yeah. they have four levels of champion relaunch. One that's just purely the artwork, like the splash artwork. One that is the artwork of the model in the splash artwork and so maybe actually adding some um, more polygons to the character models and yeah. they called it the pizza feet elimination team because a lot of the original models had feet that were shaped like slices of pizza just <laughs> triangles oh. and so they're the pizza feet elimination squad <clears throat> That's awesome. and then the next level up from that 
would be new voiceovers, new art, new models all together. And then the fourth level would be completely, or actually the third level would actually include some tweaking mm. of some of the abilities as well. And then the fourth one would be a complete revision, which is like what happened with Trundle when he went from being this death plague troll that was really ugly and yeah. cartoonish to being this totally badass muscular ice troll. Right. So he goes from swamp powers to ice powers. There was a, they talked about how they got a lot of shit for that. Oh, and I, they, he needed it. He did, and and so they were like, "We've we've learned that we can't do something really drastic about that. We can do drastic changes like that without really well integrating or, or setting the stage for people and at least providing a transition." Because like with Karma, they also redid her abilities. She had fans originally. She no longer has fans. She just has little mystical light balls. But when they wrote up her bio, they made it sound like this was an evolution of the character. She used to have fans. She's put them away. She's now reached a higher level of spiritual power. She uses these oh, extra yeah. abilities. Whereas with Trundle, they just completely rewrote him from scratch. Like right. his previous existence as a plague troll didn't ever happen. And they, they had reasons for it. Like the story didn't make sense. Some people thought he was evil. Some people thought he was a savior. Some people thought he was like a Jesus figure. There was way too much confusion. There was way too much ambiguity. Nobody really liked him. We needed to just scrap him. Right. Which is what they did. And so that was really cool. And then we watched an off the cuff Sony online entertainment had this tiny little stage that was maybe about the size of two card tables put together. And it was only like, I don't know, a foot tall. <laughs> and this dude sat in front of a TV and he's like, and they were doing presentations talking about EverQuest next. Oh. And I was saying to Southern Sky, I'm like, this is going to be a waste of our time. They're just going to reshow the videos that they've been showing all year. But they actually showed some additional ones. They showed oh, some new cool. character animation videos and some other stuff. Gave us some new information. Nothing groundbreaking, but kept us really excited about it. Cool. The Wildstar panel was disappointing because we were both really excited about this. We came to PAX being fans of that game, and we left kind of feeling a little less enthusiastic. Because of the subscription model and stuff? That, for one thing, because... Well, it turns out the panel was almost all about player housing. Oh, That's wow. pretty much the only thing. That's the only thing they showed us. And player housing is huge. I mean, it's this massive land plot that's floating in the sky, and there's a house, and then there was like a giant Ferris wheel. You can change the sky box. You can change it to an outer space background. You can make it a sky. You can make it cloudy with thunder and lightning. You can put a rainbow up there. <laughs> there all these different structures. You have a rainbow pony? <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> you could build a building that, and actually have a tower defense mini game. Wow. And inside the house, you can place all the items. You can rotate them. You can scale them. You can change the colors. They're all about that. Re well, they have a whole separate team dedicated just to player housing. And so it is elaborate, really yeah. cool. But my, me and Scott's issue is like, well, this is cool and all, but I would not get into Wildstar for player housing. Right. And it's great that this is really mature, really complex, and there are a lot of features to it. And there's even mini dungeons that wow. you can spawn. You can have people come okay. to your plot and then enter a little mini dungeon that's just specific to your area, your little house housing area. It's really cool stuff, but we don't care about that. Right. Yeah, you want to just see a basic game that's fun. Yeah, and then they got into this Q&A session, and inevitably there were two or three people that asked them about subscriptions yeah. and they got this double speak bull crap about well oh. it's not really just subscription we also have an ability for you to do free to play we're really combining the best of both worlds and one person even asked like why was it that you decided to even offer a subscription 
model in addition to anything else and me and scott are just sitting there sarcastically it's the publisher it's ncsoft what else would yeah, it be i mean NCSoft. like big question it's like and they're not gonna say that no, up there on the stage sucks and they're like well we really researched it we wanted to do the best of both worlds and then this chick got up that really annoyed me she's like i would just like to say i know a lot of people you've heard you've heard a lot of people complain about this but I want to say there are a lot of people who are happy this is a subscription game. And let me say, I mean a lot. And then these people started clapping and go, woo! And I'm like, you're just this subscription elitist who doesn't want the the filthy smelling masses, masses getting into yeah. your game and making it casual and easy to play. And just all of these stereotypical, stereotyped yep. elitist viewpoints that when you make a game free to play, it just ruins it and makes it awful. And they were talking about like, well, people are really interested in having a triple A game that's subscription based, and that's what we're offering. We're offering something that people can get excited about, and they're going to want to subscribe to it, and because there's just really not that many out there. Yeah. And it's like that's because only World of Warcraft can make it succeed. Yeah. And all these other triple A MMOs, whether it's Lord of the Rings Online, all the way up to Star Wars: The Old Republic, they've gone free to play. Right. And they all still. And as Scott pointed out in in a subsequent di dialogue with me. They still have subscription models too, but they also are free to play. So yeah. these subscription snobs can go and have their little s subscription perks, but there's a lot to be said to making a game immediately accessible. And the issue that we had is we both got in and did some live demos of the game over in this. It had a massive booth. And what's interesting, it had a booth probably as big as Titanfall or Firefalls. Uh -huh. Firefall was nowhere to be seen. Oh wow! In the entire area, and Firefall had a massive booth two years ago. It didn't have one representative. Wow! No presence whatsoever. And the game's not even released. And you think now, two years later, when they're even closer to launching, they would want that. They would have a lot more publicity. Nothing there. That's scary. Meanwhile, Carbine had a huge booth for Wired for for Wildstar, and they had some really cool higher level content. What I love about the game is all of the monsters. Whether they're gigantic, which there were some really cool gigantic monsters, there was hard monsters that were a little bit bigger than you, there was hard monsters that were small, they can swarm you, but they all have this telegraph system, is what they called it, where an outline on the ground will show the area of effect of whatever attack they're doing. And much like Terra and other oh, like hand-to-hand yeah. -hand type stuff where you have to make contact, yeah. you also have a cone of effect, and if they aren't within your cone of effect, or if you're not within their cone of effect, it doesn't hit. Yeah. And it's one thing to implement, like, all right, here's the cone. It's a triangle that radiates out from it. But these were actually cool. There were ones that were actually a series of rectangles that got bigger and bigger. Oh, wow. And then there was one where they were concentric rings. It started out with a circle around the guy, and then it would dis and then that would uh, trigger. And then after that initial circle dissipated, then an, a larger concentric ring would trigger, and then another one. So it would be like this series aftershocks. of aftershocks That's cool. emanating out. Or there would be sweeps of something, kind of like a radar sweep where you'd have to hop over it. So that made the combat a lot more engaging. And of course, the game looks beautiful. The color palette is really impressive. It's It, it frankly is has a lot in common with the best of what Mists of Pandaria looks like in World yeah, of Warcraft. Just I've really strong art design. Yeah. Awesome illustration, animation, the, the full package. But after we went away from that demo, which was, I think, on the first day, Scott said to me, he's like, it's not doing anything that hasn't been done before. Right. And he felt the exact same way when we looked at the player housing. Yeah, this is cool. It's really mature. It looks really nice. It's still nothing new. They're not bringing anything new. And 
I didn't think that Scott was going to find the magic ingredients of, of an MMO that he really wanted until he went and played the Elder Scrolls MMO, which I skipped out on because I'm not an Elder Scrolls fan. But he came back so psyched about it. He's like, that is so awesome. It's really impressive. He really, First of all, it had a really killer cinema, mm. uh, which in an MMO's case seldomly represents how the game actually is. It just yeah. looks really good and it's really fun to watch, which he acknowledged as well. But he just really liked how combat was handled, that if you're going to shoot somebody with an arrow, you have to have that little reticle pop up and you have to line that reticle up exactly with it. You can't just toggle something and say, oh, I'm going to really? shoot an arrow at that. Everything from ranged attacks to melee attacks has to actually either have contact or it has to be aimed and uh, done as if you're playing a traditional third-person action Well, that's kind of cool. So I really liked that, and he, he teamed up with it, some people, and played some stuff, and I can't remember all the details, and I don't want to mutilate it on his behalf, so yeah. should he guest host in the future, he can, can tell us provide some it. more input about it. But that seemed to scratch itch, and he was really excited about it. He was ready to jump on board. And that is also another subscription model MMO, hmm. as it turns out. I was hoping for more from Wildstar... And I still feel like it's a pretty mature, well-rounded package. But Scott really does have a point. And when he showed me the teaser video that we also watched before we started recording of potential free-roaming space combat in Star Wars The Old Republic... Oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. That's what the the rumor is, and that's what the new teaser video seems to suggest. If that would happen, I would be so happy. Well, it looked awesome. It really, really did. So. And the on-rail stuff alone is already cool. Yeah, just fine. A lot of people hate it, and I'm just like, I don't mind it, you know? Mm-hmm. Until Star Citizen comes out, I'm not hurting with it. And speaking of, we got to do Oculus Rift. Oh, cool. That was a really small booth, and it had uh, packs out all these capped lines. And in this case, there was maybe 30 people that got in line, and there were there was some angry line Nazis there, and they're like, the line is capped. You cannot stand here and wait for the line. You oh, need wow. to keep moving. If you want to get in the line, you need to come back at the next 15-minute increment, whether it's at the top of the hour, 15 minutes, half an hour, 45 minutes. And so people were really frustrated because when the line was uncapped, there would still be people slinking around and boom, three seconds it was completely maxed up line was capped again. No. And so it's like, what else can you do but wander yeah. around? And so we had to pretend like we're watching the Pagel video because the Pagel booth was right next door. Oh, yeah, but you they were really demoing. just waiting for the line to... Yeah, and I waited through three sessions. And one of them, I really got pissed off because this dude walked up next to me and I'm sitting there and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and the guy that's like capping line is like, by my time, there's there's two minutes left, and it's like and it's like a minute later, and this dude walks in, he's like, "Are you waiting for the Oculus Rift line?" And I looked, and I'm like, "Yeah, this is like my second, or third time trying to get in." He's like, "Yeah, I've been trying to get in too. This just line capping thing is really frustrating." I turned back to look at the line; it had already happened, already no, pulled up, and already capped again. Totally and I was so pissed off at him. Yeah, and I just could have like knocked him to the ground. I was like, <laughs> "I can't believe you distracted me. I could have made it." Oh. And then he just kind of skulked off a couple minutes later. We did end up getting finally into it. The thing that sucked is you couldn't choose what you got to see. Oh. They had this really crappy racing game that looked like it came from the PS2 era. Oh, God. And they had Hawken. If you got the racing game, you couldn't control it. You just sat there. And watched. And you could look around, but, it's... but you, could, you had no impact on what was going on. If you got the Hawken game, you could actually control it. I did not get the Hawking game. Aww. Scott did, so he can maybe speak about it. He thought it was cool. I got the racing game. It was like being in some kind of cheesy roller coaster simulator at the mall. In front of an IMAX screen. 
Yeah, but the thing is, they're two little. It's kind of creepy, clockwork orangish because they're two round lenses. Oh. And they kind of got a fisheye lens to them, and you have to put each lens right in front. Of you, the headset that you put on it puts the lenses directly over your eyes, and in my case, I have really long eyelashes, and so it was scraping across oh, the lens. Oh no. They were also blurry. Ugh. And and they were also not HD because they haven't made the HD model yet. So it's kind of like as one person looked at. It was like looking at a video game through a screen door. With the screen oh, right up against your face, you can kind of make out. It's just kind of blocky, yeah. chunky. So, when I looked off in the few, in the distance, while this car was an autopilot around this, this Formula One car was an autopilot, it, it looked really cool and stuff, but then if I kind of looked to the right just with my eyes versus turning my head, yeah. it did get kind of blurry. There's blurry spots, and I just wasn't sure how much the, that was the lenses or not. And while I couldn't control it and the graphics were kind of crappy, I will say there were several moments where it's like, it kind of got a tingle and up my spine. I'm like, wow, wow it almost feels real. So it's getting there. It it's, is. It's progress. And the final model will be HD. Yeah. And it won't be some crappy Formula One racer demo that looks like it came out 80 years ago. So there's promise there. And Southern Scott said that he generally liked it. What was your, um, what was your fondest memory of PAX or your best thing? I would say the Titanfall was the most fun, followed closely by Strife, of all things. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> well, we didn't think we were going to get into the Titanfall line, because that line was really, really long. Uh-huh. Unlike the Oculus Rift booth, which was tiny and square, this line went all the way down the entire Microsoft booth, which was huge. And I walked up to the lady who was... I tried to run to it. Well, I didn't run. Walk, don't run, uh-huh. is what they tell Skip. you when they open the gates. But you're in one of the first lines to go out there. I speed walked all the way over. I crossed the halls and went because you enter in one spot, but you have to cross the entire convention oh, center yeah. to get to the hall that it was in. And I got there, and there was already like 200 people there, and the line was capped. Yeah. And I asked the lady, I'm like, "Well, I know that I can't get in the line because you've capped it, but how much of a wait is it from back here?" And she's like, "I don't know. I think it's two to two and a half hours." I'm like, "Oh my gosh, what a waste of time!" Yeah. You only have so many hours of this convention to play all these games, and if you waste it just sitting in the line, that's just yeah. a disappointment. On the fourth day, Scott and I were starting to find stuff that we had tolerance to wait in line for. <laughs> right. Because we'd already played a lot of stuff that we wanted to play, and there were yeah. some things that we just kind of written off, like uh, Infamous, Killzone. We're not going to get those. Those lines are too long. And we'd even hoped on, well, Monday, maybe there won't be as many people. People will be taking Labor Day off or something else, or they'd be flying back. And it was lighter, but the lines were so long. And I'm like, oh, well, let's just walk by Titanfall and see. And I knew we, we tried to, we started out by trying to get there. Line was capped. So it was like four hours later. We walked up and I, I ended up, I'm like, oh, it looks like there's some space. There's space for like, it turned out only four people more before they capped the line. Oh, shit. So I got up there and I just stood there and Scott was next to me. I'm like, well, what do you want to do? Because I was thinking to myself, I'm like, this is a two and a half hour waste of time, potentially. And he's like, I don't know, we can stand in this line. And he thought we were in the line for Forza, which oh. is the launch racing game. I'm like, this yeah. is a Titanfall line. He's like, oh, it's Titanfall line? I'm like, yeah. He's like, okay, I'll wait for that. I'm like, okay. Apparently it's two and a half hours. He's like, well, I don't have anything else to do. I can't, neither do I. It was only an hour long. Oh. So we were totally misrepresented. It wasn't that bad. And what was really cool about, and the reason why, uh, actually, and the same thing happened with Killzone, is they were doing multiplayer matches of like eight versus eight. So the line would move up a huge chunk every time a group of people moved out every 10 minutes. And so it went by pretty fast. It was not too bad. And it actually ended up being worth the wait. We played Killzone, and we played an indie game called Contrast in PS4. 
And Killzone's one of the set-piece tech demonstrations for PS4. And I don't know if it's because effects were dialed down in multiplayer, but it just wasn't that impressive. I felt like, I'm like, well, I've seen stuff that's really close to this on my PS3 or yeah. my 360. Nothing really exciting. And the game wasn't that fun. And they have you playing on these, like, 26, 30-inch TVs, but you're only, like, a foot away from them. Oh. And so it's like you're kind of overwhelmed. You can't really yeah. even see everything. Because like they want to have these beautiful displays. In the first seat of an IMAX theater. Where you're like, yeah, just a, it's it's just a little bit too big. And yeah. it's just like, yeah. I just couldn't get into it. But Titanfall, similar scenario, big flat screen TVs. But the graphics looked really beautiful. There was really great effects. And even though it was a multiplayer first-person shooter, which is... Yeah. I'm not really a big first-person shooter fan and multiplayer. That's more like my dad's thing. That you can double jump with these rocket packs, and you can jump at a wall, and you can run on the wall. Oh, that's and You can cool. jump back and forth between buildings, and that's just as a soldier. Kind of like Prince of Persia. Yeah, totally. Exactly like Prince of Persia. You can scale buildings really easily. They said that all their maps have been designed with those mechanics in mind. And in most of them, if not all of them, you could actually traverse from one end of the map to the other with never even touching the ground. Wow, that's Which awesome. is really cool. <laughs> yeah. The thing I couldn't figure out when I played was how to get into my Titan, but there's also a whole Titan that's just gigantic wall mech, or this giant robot, right. which is big enough, but not too big, I'd say that's maybe I would say it's maybe like 20 feet tall hmm. maybe two stories tall, not really yeah, not huge, huge. Yeah. but big enough to, to be impressive before you start the match, you can choose a loadout for your soldier character, and you can choose a loadout for your Titan whether it's lots of explosives and heavy artillery, oh, that's something cool. that's quicker something that's in between, it's more like stealth or strategy, Yeah. and you can change it throughout the match, so oh, if you awesome. die pick a different loadout, right. come back in like plus that. there is this additional story component where there's a corporate corporation business thing that controls the society, and there's these rebels yeah. and some one of the rebels ace titan pilots has been kidnapped is the premise of this multiplayer game and uh, if you're on the rebel side you're trying to score enough kills to get him free I guess, I don't know Oh, that's cool. or you're on the corporate side <clears> trying <throat> to cross the resistance what's, what's cool, cool is that you're playing into the game if you get enough kills that accelerates the time that your titan can be deployed otherwise just over time it'll get built oh, I see. you say I'm ready for the titan It'll drop from orbit down for you. I didn't realize that if it had a big blue bubble around it, that means it was yours. So if it's a force field, you go in there and press X and you get in. <laughs> You're like, run for the Titan! I was just so caught up. I picked a, a really heavy artillery explosive soldier class with like a lock-on rocket launcher, grenade launcher for the Titans. And so I was all about just running around, running around the walls, getting into buildings, shooting terrorist style out of windows that they didn't oh, cool. see me just blowing up the titans it was so much fun just as a soldier huh. alone that sounds cool and That's... there was some douche who got up on top of the roof of some skyscraper he freaking sniped me like three or four times in a row oh lame and i knew his name was harriet because we all had audio assigned names I'm like that harriet's getting me and that's what's cool about the demos we all were wearing headsets with microphones oh. and we were able to talk to each other as a team oh that's cool. and uh Southern Scott had picked out a, a soldier layout where his anti-tank we weapon he could use on anybody. I could only lock on oh. onto Titans. Get he to was you. able to use his anti-Titan weapon on anything, so he just aimed at the top of the skyscraper and just fired it and blew up the whole thing. <laughs> and he's like, I got him for him. I'm like, yes! <laughs> Son of a... What's cool is after that match, once X team has gotten enough kills, it's not actually over... The losing team has a chance. A dropship comes down. A losing team has a chance to all try to escape under the dropship. Oh, and you get to while the winning team the tries to go and kill them. Oh, that's cool. 
And once that mode kicks in, if you die, you don't respawn. Oh. But it's really a cool little epilogue that they yeah, have. Yeah, you get to just blow. That's really cool. It's from visual appreciation to getting around the mechanics to just the visceral fun. I mean, it, when I fi fired those robot-seeking um, rockets, you, I would not only get a huge fire explosion, but also like this huge amount of smoke and debris came out, and it would actually cloud the, cloud the area for a while yeah. before it faded away. Just really impressive visual effects. Oh, that's awesome. And that's a game that's going to be exclusive to Windows machines. Oh, cool. So Xbox Sweet. and PC. And so that really is the most impressive next-gen game we played. And this Rise, which is like a Roman gladiatorial combat type game, Scott and I, that was a really long, painful line, unlike the title one. But we got to play co-op together, where we went into the Coliseum, and it was very holodex style. The floor of the Coliseum sinks down, and you can't see it, and then it raises back up, and there's like these giant white Roman statues, and these pillars and everything that are in place, and you run out there, and you're killing all these barbarians and everything, and as co-op, you can't arm, harm each other. But if you're doing brutal execution moves next to each other, you can do team executions. No. Where it's like, player one, hit the blue button. You oh, hit the that's blue button. hilarious. So I'd stab someone from behind in the, in the neck, and then it would tell Scott to hit his yellow button, and he'd spin around and he'd stab the dude in his gut from the front, <laughs> and we'd just rip him to shreds. Oh, that's and it was like hilarious. Super gory. After we got through all that, and we had to go through and like tilt over boiling cauldrons of oil to destroy catapults and to burn houses and stuff like that, we'd finish that, and then the floor sinks in, and then the Coliseum floor rises back up, and it's like this whole swamp environment oh, with weird. trees and buildings and fences and grass and water. But you're surrounded by the Coliseum, and you can see all these thousands of people cheering wow. on. And you have this audience entertainment meter, uh, and it starts out not entertained exactly. Oh, yeah. And it starts out just like if it if it's at the bottom, it's like they're just amused. Oh yeah. And then as you raise it up, then they're entertained, and Max is enthralled. Enthralled. And so that's like gutting people and oh, slitting wow. their throats and blowing things up. Wow. But it was really fun. That's cool. So those were really impressive. We made the mistake of going over to the Warner Brothers booth because I really wanted to play Dying Light, which is from the people who made We Got Island. And it's basically, it's another zombie kill game, except it's got mirrors that parkour in it. Oh, so it's first-person wall-running, jumping across buildings, and um, hopping over obstacles. And it's really well done. It's it's a lot like Mirror's Edge, except it's got this tension of like tons of zombies everywhere, oh, and cool. trying to Different. deal with that threat and, and yeah, avoid yeah. them and stay on the high ground. It was actually really cool. Scott doesn't even like zombie games. He actually thought it was I fun. Like but then he noticed that they were demoing Guardians of Middle Earth because they're about to launch on the linear, the linear MOBA. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's 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 got a pretty traditional MOBA map. Oh, okay. And so we decided to get in line for that because they're these really awesome medals on black huh. ribbon. It was like an Eye of Sauron oh, that's cool. medal, medallion, on a black ribbon. I'm like, oh, that'd be cool. They, they didn't have any time locks to the matches. The team in front of us, the, the two teams, those 5v5 teams, they were fighting on, they were competing against on either side of a wall. They didn't know how to play. Oh. And one team should have totally lost, and yet they somehow turned it back. We started watching at 10 minutes, and then at 20 minutes, and then it was 40 minutes, and we were at the front of the line oh, waiting to get God. in. And then it was 50 minutes, and they still hadn't cut them off. Oh. And they kept, because I think the demonstrators thought that eventually there, somebody's going to lose. They just kept going. They finally decided, okay, 55 minutes is just going to end. We're going to cut them off. We waited so long to play the worst crap MOBA we have played ever. Oh. You can only get to level 14. 
You don't have a store. You can't buy any items. So there's no point in jungling. There's no point in even killing minions. Yeah. The minions continue to get stronger. But it has that Middle Earth IP to it. My ultimate, I couldn't even trigger and I didn't even know why. Oh. I was able to trigger it a couple times. But you never knew the But reason. I didn't know. But then it's like I tried triggering. It's like, you need a guardian spirit. I'm like, like what the hell is a guardian spirit? And then we had these headsets on with a microphone and there was this one dude who swapped in at the last second. Really, really loud. You could not turn the volume oh, on. That's no. There were volume dials in front of me. Oh, and I was just worst. cranking it and cranking it. I could not figure out how to turn it down. So it was super, super loud for another thing, for one thing. And for another thing, he's just like, oh, my God. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, my God. This, this champion's so broken. Oh, my God. I'm so and that was like for 35 minutes. At like the 15-minute mark, I gave Scott this look about how angry and disgusted I was. And I just took the headset down. And I just put it down. <laughs> I didn't care because there was no game like, sound. No, it was just out. these dipshits yeah. screaming and shouting about other characters broken and their owning and and this game is just weird and I'm just like I cannot tolerate this oh man yeah fortunately our match only lasts 30 minutes we got our medallion and we left but that was definitely the most painful worst part of the show but let me check real quick I would say other than that it was really nice we had a lot of time and I was really impressed with the games that I got to play we got to play that remember that pink death star shit yeah 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 game Heart lovers in a dangerous space time space or, yeah i finally got to try it and i thought for sure i mean we we're so skilled in games and we'd watch several people go through the demo they got through the whole thing scott and i totally sucked at that no we couldn't decide we i'm like well who of us should pilot the ship and who of us should do the weapons he's like i don't know i don't care he's like i'll pilot the ship i'm like all right fine it ended up we were just having such a hard time. We were both just oh, frantically no. running around. We're shooting. Nobody was really piloting. And then one of us trying to pilot, we were going the wrong direction. We were running things. We died within like five minutes. It it's was like so when we all tried to play Monaco together. <laughs> In fact, we also, I, Scott got, had Monaco. We played that the first night and we played through like the first four or five missions. I don't think he really liked it. He didn't say anything. Yeah. <laughs> he was kind of quiet. And we didn't come back to it in the other oh. nights, but we got those really awesome skins for our champions in League of Legends. Yeah. And so we played... We got to play with Curtis. Remember Kurt Wolf? Yeah. And Tony, they were on. They're like, oh my god, you oh, guys sweet. are on. What are you doing? And they're like, we're, we're a PAX. PAX. They're like, son of a bitch. And they've never stopped playing League of Legends. They'd oh. already acquired the new skins. They didn't even need them free. Oh, I'm wow. sure they had bajillions of, right, of points. Yeah. And we played some matches with them. It was totally fun. Oh, that's cool. And it made us feel like we were good. And then we tried playing without them... <laughs> It didn't go so well. It was awful. We got oh. owned by bots. Oh. We were being spanked by bots. That's not And then they insisted, play the all-random, all-mid map, which is the one, it's a single yeah. lane map. Yeah. It is so weird. You can't go to the store unless you've just died. Yeah, I don't You can't go back rules. to base and heal up. Yeah. You basically just need to be killed. And I was playing as Rise, and Rise had been changed since I last played him, which was like two years ago. Yeah. He... I totally sucked. Uh. Scott's character sucked. <laughs> Neither of us had any experience. And fortunately, Tony and Curtis were lenient with us, and they didn't complain. I mean, they were always good guys about playing games together, but uh. it was not positive. And so we switched to Torchlight, played oh, some of that, call. and that was really awesome. Torchlight 2, actually, using the characters we played with before. Got a few more levels, and then did some more League of Legends, because we were just in inundated with League of Legends stuff. Almost all the cosplay that was there... Play League of Legends, yeah. Yeah, most of the cosplay was League of Legends, and they were running these tournaments all day long, matches all day long, you know, regionals. And there stuff. were a lot of um, Ezreals at Dragon Con, but 
They look, he looks really? so much like an anime character that it didn't stand out to me. Yeah, because he's got the funky, yeah. spiky hair so and like, stuff. Oh, he's some obscure anime. Oh, wait, that's supposed to be Ezreal. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we decided the third day we would go and watch a League of Legends match. Like, oh, why not? We don't even know what's going on or who's playing yeah. whom. Let's see what it's like. And it was way better because we didn't have to stand in that cattle oh, warehouse cool. room. Yeah. We were seated on chairs. It was air-conditioned. Treated like humans. And it was over the top. They had crane cameras sweeping oh, over. Wow. They had a, they had the broadcasters booth over at the left. We could watch them recording. There was teleprompters running for a majority of the introduction, so we could watch Freak and this other dude who I've never seen before. They're doing this pre-show, this pre-game talk. Is Nickasaurus there? Actually, I didn't see her there. Huh. They have so many people working for them now, oh, though. There's yeah, a ton more that crazy. I didn't yeah. recognize. But they did all this pre-show commentary, and they were talking about the history of the teams, and the teams came out, and just the whole champion drafting selection process was really elaborate. They threw up character portraits to show which ones were being wow. banned as they were being banned, and then as they selected characters, they said, all right, this character's going to be playing top with this character, and this guy's going to be playing mid with this character, and this guy's going to be playing jungle. It was just really fascinating, way over the top. That's- and then the match started, and it seemed like they were pretty evenly matched, and then the other team, one team just started steamrolling them. Oh, wow. And it was massive team wipes every single time it happened. Oh, not good. So it was a total spanking, but it only lasted like half an hour. And it was, it was really cool. That is cool. That's like e- the future of esports right there. It is. And, and it's, I've enjoyed actually watching stuff online, but being there in person, it adds a whole nother bet, yeah. flair to it's it. It's like going to an actual football game or something. Yeah, people are fan. just so psyched up about it. They're in costume and stuff like that. Remind me to tell you my... Well, maybe this is... Are, are you pretty much done with... Oh, but I, I didn't want to forget to tell you the funniest thing I saw at, um, at, at Dragon Con. And you might appreciate this. So, <laughs> you know, when, when you're in line for something and somebody is holding it up, like, say you're... This happened to me today. I was, I was in line at a restaurant and there was a lady talking to somebody else who was already at the counter, but she wasn't moving forward in the line, and it just drives you nuts. When and there's a space that starts to open new up. New people yeah. arrive behind you, and they ask you, are you in line? And I'm like, yeah, I'm in line, but she, I don't know what the hell she, her status is. I don't know what she's doing. <laughs> she's talking, but she's kind of in line, but she's in the way, but I don't know. And then, you know, you're, like, trying to prod the lady, go forward and get in line. You know, it's just frustrating. Yeah. You know? Especially when you're hungry. So, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of there's a loosely assembling line to get go down an escalator at the either the Hyatt or the or I think it was the Marriott you know how busy that place yeah. is right mm-hmm. so I'm behind this really good Darth Vader costume but in front of us is a guy super duper cost over cosplaying Hunter S. Thompson as as done by um, Johnny, Johnny Depp, Depp. Mm-hmm. So he's like falling down and walking all crazy, and he's got his little blue fly swatter, and he's just not progressing towards the escalator, but he's clearly in our way. Ah, uh, performance And I'm getting art. so frustrated. And then he's, he hits to the escalator, but he won't go down the escalator. He's like acting like he's falling, and he's still holding up the line. And Darth Vader, to his credit, squeezes his gloves together and you could hear over all that noise you could hear the leather crackling as he makes his fists (laughs) and i'm like oh my god this guy i think everything is going to come together 
for him to actually force choke this motherfucker. <laughs> and I will be with him in this because I am so pissed off that this guy is just <laughs> fucking around right in front of the escalator. And I had, I was hungry, I needed food, yeah. and obviously Darth Vader did too because he was seriously pissed off. It was just so funny. I, it, I, so how did it resolve? The guy finally started to go down the escalator. The whole time, like, barely hanging on, falling. Just, he was all over the place. How obnoxious. It was, it was ridiculous. He wanted to kick just him, shove him down in the, the face or something. Yeah. And just to watch the barely restrained rage. <laughs> the, you know, <laughs> there's no facial expression there, but Darth Vader's, his, like, leather gloves are creaking. He's, and it wasn't, it wasn't performance art. It was genuine no, anger. No, was just like me, because I was like, I want to kill this motherfucker. <laughs> and then he got off the escalator and blocked it again, and then finally got out of the way. But, oh my gosh. It so was funny. There was one game that I only briefly mentioned Strife. So we talked about Strife. We broke yeah. down all of the features that were announced about yeah. it about three or four weeks ago. And I remember both you and Scott were like, not innovative. Yeah. Not innovative. Evolutionary. Not yeah, impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thumbs down. Fun as it hell. It is huh? really damn good. Oh, that's awesome. They have kick ass character designs. The powers are really sweet. You can buy stuff while you're out on the field. And then you just, once you've accumulated your shopping cart, there's a max number of items that you can buy. There's You can only buy like five or six yeah. items. You just hit this little panda courier button, and then something starts running towards you from the store, and it will come deliver. You don't have to, it's not like Dota, where you have to buy a chicken, or you have a chicken, and you send it back, and then it comes back to you. Right. The leveling up is really interesting in that it's, all right, you've leveled up, and then you can you hit the tilde key, and then it's just a a screen slides over and it tells you a panel slides over from the left and it tells you all right here's your abilities what do you want to level up and you i think you just you just click it in in guardians of middle earth it was weird because you actually had to click the ability button in the skill bar to level up which is really weird you had it yeah. l and then click the button it's just so stupid and asinine i don't know why that game is still around anyways uh but Strife is just like you move fast, they you feel like you're pretty powerful. Then, huh? And killing the Guardian and getting the giant purple ape to. It's basically the equivalent of Baron in League yeah. of Legends, the ultimate monster in the jungle to kill. The, what's really cool is if you. Your AI bots. We could only play single player, that's what sucked about it. They actually have a story-based single-player campaign mode wow. where you go through the game and it's narrated and it, oh, there's cool. a story that tells you and takes you around the jungle and has you kill things based on a for a reason. But then they also had a 5v5, but you could only play against bots, with bots. So I never got to play with Scott. We, it was all individual instances. But from what I experienced, I played with easy bots and I think that Scott played with more difficult bots. But they were intelligent and then they would go for that purple ape and once it had queued up, you can actually choose which lane it goes down. It's like hit the space bar if you want to change which lane it goes down. So if you want it to go down a lane that you haven't pushed a lot of towers for, yeah. you can do that. Or if you have one where the lanes where the towers well, are that's cool. pushed down, you can say, yeah, go down that. And the animation just on the towers alone, like the towers closest to the base, not the ones that are in the middle of the jungle, it's actually this column of pivoting cannons. So they have traditional... Oh, wow cannonball type cannons that are laying down flat and I think it's a ring of five of them and it basically it spins around 
and the cannon that's going to shoot at you raises up into the air and it shoots in the air oh, wow. and then it hits you. Back down. Oh. The animations and the special effects, the particle effects of the main champion's abilities are really cool. Overall, it's like it was so much fun we had to come back and play it again. Oh, wow. The cheesy thing was anybody that was a MOBA, including Strife, almost all of them had a pretend competitive Major League, league Gaming version of their game running oh. complete with the cheesy casters like oh now they're going to go into this oh, God. and they have these videos playing on loop including the super mediocre smite which just looked awful that's a game that's based on mythology yeah mythological gods and stuff like that and gods from religion except it's in a third person perspective it's not top down so you can't be really strategic so it's kind of like you're running around in a maze a labyrinth the map is super complicated instead of like three lanes it's just tons and tons and tons of little pillars and crescent moon shapes and everything else so it's really difficult to navigate but even that had like oh yeah the dick team dick toss is going to go in there and then they're going to for the oh yeah now they're going to go over here and you just <laughs> all and it's just it's so cheeseball and i was saying it's kind of like do any of these mobile wannabes really have aspirations of being the next League of Legends or taking yeah. a bite out of that. I mean, between League of Legends and now Dota 2, I feel like that competitive gaming space is pretty full. Yeah, it is. I mean, I don't know. We have multiple first-person shooter competitions with Counter-Strike yeah, and Halo. But, yeah, there's not going to be a lot Black of... Black Ops yeah. or Call of Duty. But I feel like it's not as much for... I mean, the esports... Arena is already splintered. That there's major league gaming, yeah, and then there's stuff in Europe, and there's stuff in this, but there's no like global organization. So that's already splintered. Not to mention the games that are actually being played are splintered. And it's just like, I can respect you guys are trying to make a MOBA that's really cool that you think people are going to come in and it's free to play and it's accessible. But I think some of these people are in need of a reality check. A little delusional. It's the new MMO. It's going to be a cash cow. <laughs> yeah, it totally is. They People were just, just can't get enough of our shit. Yeah. yeah, between that and there were some really sweet indie games. It was video games, video games, video games, very few panels. But we had a really good time, got to play a lot awesome. of cool stuff. So we're generally satisfied. Well, sounds good. Yeah, so listeners, that is our stories from PAX and Dragon Con. If you couldn't make it, we're sorry. Next time. But couldn't. But you should join us maybe next yeah. year. Next year. Do it again. Yeah. And that's the end of this episode. We're going to wrap it up here. Episode number 265. Thank you as always for listening. Please feel free to leave us a review over on iTunes or send in your feedback, your comments, your questions, critiques to mail. Email. At channelmassive.com. We'll be back. <laughs>